Hello and welcome to episode 67 of the Movies in a Podshell podcast. The podcast where we take a theme. What could this week's theme be? Bullied directors? I don't know. Um, as always, I'm joined by... I had a little name for him, but it's gone now. But I am joined by John. He's so excited about recording on our new audio platform that he genuinely forgot what he was going to say. That's that's you, about the crux of it. No, the real reason is because John pressed record and then I had a countdown. And I was like, <laughs> oh, this is this is all snazzy with a countdown. Pressure. We've, um, I think over the last, I would say maybe like three months or so, we've probably mo- we've moved to video and we've been testing different platforms. I'm not going to mention any because I don't really want to... Yeah. I don't really want to like poo-poo anyone, but we found the ultimate, the ultimate platform, and and you will see from, just from my camera quality, it's just much better. I, I probably sound so crisp. Riverside, and... give us a free subscription, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's expensive, yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so we've moved to this new one, which is it's oh, it's very very posh, isn't it, John? Before we do anything else, Jamie, behind you, I can see a very special beer can. Which I feel like should be given its due credit on camera. Can you? Can you? This wasn't can you part reach? of the show. It genuinely, genuinely wasn't, but I've, I can I'll see it. Um, this is the official, the... non-official. <laughs> it's definitely not official. It's, not, it's definitely not official. So <laughs> Lawsuit we get, coming. We don't want sued. Um, this is the five-star <laughs> review can of beer by Brewdog. Movies in a Podshell edition. Can you believe it? So who did this for you, and how? So we, um, so what we do, and, and there was there was way more of these, but I drank them. Um, we, um, oh, and any for anyone who is also listening on the audio pod, I have a can of beer, and it says it's called Five Star Review, and it's got a movies and a podcast picture on it. Um, the brand is Brewdog because I believe they do it. So um, we we every year, me, my brother and sister, etc., um, we do Secret Santa. Instead of buying everyone a present, mm-hmm. we draw out of a hat. And whoever we get, we just buy, we buy a present for, and the budget cool. is 25 quid. So um, that was, that was my gift. So, and, and yeah, I, I, I didn't even know that was even a thing. So I was, Did they, you know, can I was you make custom cans online? Not that I'm shitting out for Brewdog or anything, but I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, That's yeah, really yeah. Cool. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. How good is that? Um, there we go. Anyway, yeah. I, 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 sorry, I should be asking the real questions, which is like, Jamie, you know, have you managed to watch anything new over Christmas or has it just been the Christmas repeat list? Oh, I know we're in the no. new year now, so no one wants to talk about Christmas anymore, but. You know, I mean, I've watched loads. Um, I have I, yeah, I've actually watched quite a bit, which is as as you as always as usual. Um, so um, I guess well, we'll talk about. It's funny, but <laughs> I realise this episode's going to be uh, crazy because we're we'll be talking about Rebel Moon and uh, Godzilla minus one, which I need to stop calling it Godzilla minus zero because that's what I keep calling it for some reason. I don't know why. Weird. We'll discuss why it's called Godzilla minus one because I had no idea. Um, but yeah, I've, I've watched a few films, some that I liked, some that I didn't like so much. Um, but I did like um, Past Lives, which is obviously a, a lot, it's on a lot of people's like top three lists, I would say, maybe even best film of the year. Um, I particularly, I give it a, a three and a half stars out of, t- not out of 10, because that'd be terrible. Cause why, Five. Would we do, why would we, why would we purposefully underrate films? Um, we'll, we'll get on to that. Um, so... <laughs> Past Lives is directed by Celine Song, um, and it's about um, a couple who were childhood friends, and you kind of you, you think they're going to get together, and maybe they don't, maybe they do, and then twenty years later they're reunited, and so this is all like it's all about their relationship and like the what if, like like mm-hmm. what would our lives would have been like if we didn't and and if we'd have carried on, yeah, and um, 
I so I did like it. However, it was a little bit like Harry Met Sally in the um, with, without being like derivative of it because it's it's a it's a, obviously a really good film. There was there was a it's it didn't work for me in terms of the characters and stuff. Like there the, there was a specific scene when. I don't, I'm not going to spoil anything, but there's a specific scene when this this woman is um, doing something in front of the person that she's now with um, and having this conversation with an old flame. And it's so... I found it so rude and I just couldn't get past it. Like, if if someone would have been... If, if my partner was with someone, a childhood flame, and was just openly talking about them in this way and be human. also in korean as well like because um this uh the, the her her husband or her husband now is um jewish um uh, american jewish and he's he's korean so they're talking in korean together um and the uh, jewish guy knows a little bit of korean but he's kind of like just sitting there with his beer while while they like talk about what we could have been and i'm like that's not very nice man like i really it really didn't sit well with me so i i found that kind of I would say it probably knocked a full half a star off in terms of like how mean spirited it was. Like, okay. Um, anyway, people have got it up there as nine out of ten, like 10, ten out of ten. Like, it's it's obviously it's obviously a great film, but and that's why I rated it. That's why I rated it appropriately. Um, <clears throat> anyway, I need to stop already. I'm I'm Tangent. on one already. Um, anyway, I I watch loads of Christmas films. I watched Elf. Don't need to talk about that. Um, cool. Great, great film, except the bit where. Uh, Zoe Deschanel does that singing, which is I, I just find completely egregious. Um, but anyway, like very funny. Um, I then watched the greatest Christmas film of all time, Home Alone, which we've covered last year on the pod. So go back and listen to that. We've got a big fat back catalogue for you now. Yep. Right now, listen, I'm gonna go on. I'm gonna tell you something mental. So I spent Christmas at my brother and sisters, like down, like elsewhere, um, and my brother's wife was like have you seen home sweet home alone and i'm like what she's like home sweet home alone the new one that came out like two years ago i was like oh uh, the disney plus one I was like, no there's only there's only two home alone films like there's literally only two home alone films because i would refuse to acknowledge the rest anyway um she's like no trust me it's really good and i was like whatever like put it on then and i tell you what mate as a person <laughs> who loves home alone one and two and refuses to acknowledge that there are any sequels related to that franchise it was all right. It was nowhere near as bad as everyone says. Um, I found Archie Yates, who plays, and it's it's not a remake. It's just a a different family, a different it's situation. a different family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's quite. He's really charming. He's really charming. Um, and it was it was all right. Like, I mean, do I have time to fit that in amongst <laughs> Home Alone one and two when I'm watching all these Christmas films at Christmas? No. So. I maybe wouldn't watch it again, but I wouldn't turn it off if it was on because it was perfectly fine. Like there was, I, again, like I, I seen it and it was like one star ratings everywhere. So I was like, I'm, I'm, this is going to be terrible, isn't it? Um, but we shouldn't listen to loads of people's opinions it's, it's on because things. you can only love or hate something now jamie nuanced argument isn't a thing like you either love it or you hate it and there's no in the middle and you can't say six or seven out of ten it has no. to be either a ten or one, or a one. No, nothing yeah. in between. Okay, nothing. just just so we're clear for the rest oh. of this episode. Just lay lay my stall out now. There we go. Oh God, people are going to be turning off. We've had enough of these already. Anyway, I then watched the Grinch who stole Christmas. Um, oh, cool. Is that the digital I... animated one or the Jim no? This Carrey is Jim, one? Jim Carrey one. Yeah. Oh right, sorry. Yeah. Um, 
I find it like is I like I like it. It's wild. Like I find it just so. It's quite creepy at points. That film, nightmarishly <laughs> wild. Yeah, yeah. yeah Especially definitely. when he's like a baby. You know, as in sorry, when he's like the little kid at school. Yeah, he's quite yeah, creepy yeah. in that outfit. But anyway, yeah, yeah, it's good. Um, then had like some really properly nostalgic times, right? Um, and we were. I got really drunk on Christmas Day, which is really unlike me. But that's what happens when you drink in your movies in a pod shell beers. <laughs> And <laughs> you had some red wine. Anyway, I put on Neverending Story, which is a childhood, terrifying childhood favorite. Brilliant, harrowing, um, definitely harrowing. I literally, but I I still have like images from that film burn into my brain of like dying oh, creatures, yeah, etc., yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. terrifying bad guys. It, we won't go into it because we'll probably end up covering no. the pod at some point. But we will definitely. It because... is genuinely quite terrifying at points. It's a childhood favorite for me. Like I I I really love it and. And then, do you know, we, we rounded off Christmas Day with Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory from 1971. I was going to say, which one? Yeah, cool. There's, good one. Again, also, a... weirdly terrifying. There's a few sequences in that film, like the boat. There's I... no lonely way of knowing uh, yeah, which it's... direction we are going. Like, really scary. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Is... I'm actually quite looking forward to seeing the Timothy Chalamet one as well, which may yeah, be an too. unpopular opinion, but I think it looks, it looks good fun. And it's also from the director of Paddington 1 and 2, which I actually enjoy. So yeah. Why not? Um, well, look, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, for me, is, I think it is a perfect film, like, perfect adaptation. Like, I think that Gene Wilder is incredible. Heard something really interesting the other day that the the part at the beginning when... Um, and also, I did forget bits of it as well. Like, I tell mm. you what, it gave me such incredible nostalgia. Like, it... it, mm. it it really brought me a lot of joy on Christmas Day. I was I was watching it and I was like, this is so magical and the songs are so memorable and I've got a golden tear. I, I literally was just about to say, so, oh God, oh, yeah, we won't go into it, but Jamie Jamie does like singing <laughs> I've got a golden ticket and it sticks in my head. I'll tell you what, there was, I am, um, the, yeah, it's one of my favourite songs to sing. I had to go to a, I was invited to a wedding I didn't really want to go to. This is terrible, by the way. It's and not so from bad. one of my, by the way, not from one of my friends. I was invited to a wedding I, was. Did, I didn't go really on. want to go to. And um, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to go in. I'm going to have to show my face and take one for the team. I'm like, and, and the reason is being is right. Weddings are really expensive for people and they're mm-hmm. really expensive for people to attend. So like, I'm there, like me, putting myself out and say and being honest and being like <clears throat> you should not invite me because i don't want to be there like and it's probably a hundred pound a head and you'd be there's someone else in your life i promise you that would prefer to be there and then what happened was i got invited to one of my best friends stag do's on the day of that wedding and so i was running around the house very much like i've got a golden ticket i, ter- I sounded like a terrible person but um that i t- <laughs> ridiculous and, and sang it on repeat on playstation online to a group of friends for about a good hour on and off just yeah. just to clarify well, anyway that sounds like what? some good christmas film watching it was yeah oh sorry the gene wilder thing apparently he sorry yeah. he said that in, unless he was allowed to come out of the wonka factory at the beginning and do that weird like when yeah, he's yeah. limping and then he does that forward roll he's like i don't, I don't want to play the character he's like, he's like let me play it the way i want to play it um, and I, I just think he's sensational in it. The, the, the songs are fantastic. Like it's just, it's just brilliant. Um, and then I'll, there's one more film I do want to talk about. Um, well, two real quick, um, three real quick. I'm so sorry. Um, so there's a film that I watched called Morning Departure. Now, um, 
Vicky, my partner, her dad, we were at the we were at the pub, like just just having a drink, doing a pub quiz or whatever. Um he was he was talking about these like we, we talk about films often and stuff and um he he talks about all the films in the the fifties and sixties that he watched and and I was like questioning about them because there's I've not really seen loads and he was saying about all the submarine films that would come out at the time and he was talking about this film he's like it definitely starred Sam Kidd like this this like this actor who's like a B movie actor back then B, not B movie but like a B lister like he was he was mm-hmm. in everything but he never had like full parts. And we were looking for this film for ages, right? We finally found it. It didn't star Sam Kidd, so he literally wasn't even in the film. Um, the film was called Morning Departure from 1950. And I bought it on DVD because I'm like, we have to watch this. It was only logged by 181 people on Letterboxd. Bearing in mind, something like Parasite was, is logged by like 13 million. It's now got 182 people that logged it because I was that 182nd person. Listen... It's brilliant. The writing's great. Um, there's this. It's basically about a. It's a disaster film when these these this crew go down on the submarine, um, and they get trapped on the sea floor. And it's about them getting up to the mm. top and how they're going to do that. And they've only got a limited amount of suits. Blah blah blah. Ninety minutes. Uh, well, eighty six. Um, the writing's great. Like as we say all the time, it's got Richard Attenborough in it. Like as <laughs> as a really young lad, um, John Mills. Uh, I would. I mean, I say I'd really recommend it. It's literally not available anywhere unless you buy the DVD. It's just not available. So um, I watched that and it was brilliant. And and that led me to believe again, like not believe, but think about again. You know, all like imagine how many films are just lost in translation or lost forever. Lost because um, they're not bought up by streaming platforms for yeah. having a known IP or name or yeah. yeah, that. And like there was there was a really good like. Um, thing that i seen a little while ago i can't remember who shared it but it said like the amount of films on each platform and it was like uh, apple apple plus 60 films because they've not got they've not got a, they've got a very curated small yeah. catalog of films which is fine and um, then it was like disney paramount then it was netflix with like i want to say like eight thousand films or or four thousand films then it had prime with like eight thousand and then it had blu-ray and dvd Twenty-five thousand. Well, yeah, because then VHS yeah. vastly increased. So the amount of films that are just lost is is crazy. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, that was that. Um, another film I I just really like to talk about um, would be uh, How to Have Sex. So um, twenty twenty three film. Um, it's just come on movie. It's about. Uh, it's directed by Molly Manning Walker. Um, maybe again, don't say too much because I quite wanted to watch that. So maybe no, I won't. we do a pod. Okay, potentially. Yeah. But sounds good. Um, we'll so sort. it's about just ba- <laughs> basically about three British teenage girls that go on um, a holiday to somewhere like Magaluf. I think I think it is yeah. Magaluf, and it's just about their experiences on that holiday. And um, yeah, it's so good. It, it's really good, and it's kind of it, it shows what that it's a really true to life. I think depiction of what teens are like or. And, and and probably what happens to young women, that kind of thing. Um, really good. Uh, so I would I would highly recommend that. That's on movie. So mm-hmm. seek that out. Um, and then I watched um, the last one. I'm yet to finish it. I've got like 40 minutes left. The Creator shot on the Sony FX camera. Three. Huh? FX3. Sorry. The Sony FX3 <laughs> owned by John. Um, I'll tell you what, that camera is yeah. big time. I can see why you bought it. Yeah. I mean... 
did you know the cinematographer of that film gets really frustrated when people only talk about the camera and completely ignore the lenses. all the lighting or the lenses <laughs> or like all the stage choreography yeah. and like everything that has to happen like you can sh- good lighting and good art direction is a massive part and staging is a huge part of filmography you could shoot like Tarantino could shoot on a Canon 600D from 10 years ago and make it look good with the right people on set. Like, he genuinely could. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I don't know why I picked Tarantino when he hates digital, but anyway, he still <laughs> could. But if you have a amazing camera, but you don't have the locations or the know-how or crap lighting, trust me, you can make it look really bad. <laughs> like, it's, it's, yeah. It's possible. So, but yeah, no, um, I'm also... You give, you give a Sony FX3 to a monkey... It's still a monkey, you know, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Clicking, clicking the clicker. I am looking forward to the idea of, of watching the creator, though. I missed it at the cinema, so I'm looking forward to seeing that. And yeah, it's, because... it's, it's pretty good. Like it's um, it's got some interesting ideas, and it's it's again like like I say, like the, I like the director big... too. I liked Rogue One, so yeah, um, and Godzilla, right. yeah, and and what Godzilla? Ah, yes, ah, mm-hmm. that same director was actually. We're going to talk about Godzilla minus one. One. Uh, that same director said he was sitting in the cinema watching Godzilla minus one and was jealous and wishes heard, it was a film yes. he made. Yeah. Anyway, um, John, uh, it's probably, Oh, did you know it's J.R. Tolkien's birthday today? No. The day, day of recording. Happy yeah. birthday. Happy birthday to J.R. Tolkien, who so many people have ripped off over the years. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, it I watched a few films birthday. at Christmas. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm just completely bypassing you on this. What have you watched? Chicken, chicken run two. Oh, and I was Dawn of the Nug Nugs. It wasn't that great. Sorry, guys. No, okay. No, I was disappointed. I, I like Hartman. I like seeing that style. It's cool to yeah. see that the the art form itself, I think, should be respected. And I like that. I don't really know what I expected from it, but the first one in my eyes is a classic. And it's from my childhood, and it's not really for me now. I imagine yeah. if my oh, child was older and enjoyed would probably enjoy it a lot more and i'd probably see it through their eyes but mm. we're not there yet so yeah it, it was fine and there's a, been a recast on the voices and stuff and i know some people are upset but it's oh, really it yep um and then jane will tell me off but we of course had some of our annual harry potter rewatch so chamber of secrets was the the select one this year oh we'll take the lot thanks <laughs> happy days and um i had another film it's completely gone out of my brain Oh, yeah. Me. No, I don't actually know what it was. No, you didn't tell me. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Look, I'm excited this week, but I also feel like there's there's some opinions to be had. I believe this week we've seen a good film. Well, not just this week. We're reviewing a good film and a great film. Now, yeah, the great film, I, I would say, that. is the second day. But due yeah. to the popularity and due to the amount of discourse going around at the moment, we're going to start with Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon. When I found you in the wreckage of that ship, I considered leaving you. I was afraid you could bring trouble to us. What do you think they want? So the this one out of one out of ten trashed a piece. Um, what did you? Uh, what did, so Rebel Moon Part One, A Child of Fire. Um, you, I've only watched it last night. Um, mm-hmm. My expectations. I watched it twice, by the way, because Have I was. You? Go on, I was, son. I was so. Go on. I've done to... my research. No one's going to tell me nothing. No, no. I, I just. 
it's one of those where I'd read so many negative things after I'd watched it. I really mm. wanted to see if I thought differently afterwards. But uh, I'm hear me out. Can we should we should we talk about a synopsis before you? Let's do um... a synopsis because otherwise it's going to get derailed very fast. Synopsis for us. Tell me about Cora's story. When a peaceful settlement on the edge of a distant moon finds itself threatened by the armies of tyrannical ruling force, Cora, played by Sophia Batella, a mysterious stranger living among the villagers, becomes their best hope for survival. Tasked with finding trained fighters who will unite with her in making an impossible stand against the mother world, Cora assembles a small band of warriors, outsiders, insurgents, peasants, orphans of war from different worlds who share a common need for redemption and revenge as the shadow of an entire realm bears down on the unlikeliest of moons a battle over the fate of a galaxy is waged and in the process a new army of heroes is born can we be clear before we go any further which is i don't think this is a perfect film but it sure as hell is not a one star film just gonna lay my stall out right it's got, there no, it's got, it's got a start. lot of problems yeah, it's, it's got a lot it's of problems got, it's got problems and i've got issues which i'm happy to address but i am not going to sit here and join this weird bandwagon which has been going on of one star two star i'd love to show some people some proper one star films <laughs> like <laughs> genuinely i'm telling you now no offense but like you obviously haven't seen microwave massacre you know because because what like can i i just want to say like are the people the one star so this is really bad like so i I really got on my high horse about this um a one star if you're going to give this a one star film right you are admitting or saying that this film is the same quality as troll 2 or microwave massacre or the room that's what you're saying you're saying you would have to be saying that every single aspect of this film is awful or or to the worst degree and and I am saying, I know that that is a apparently subjective opinion, but it is wrong. Like, it, it's, it's, it is wrong. Like even, it's not... even if you take everything out of it, if you just went solely and said, like, you're going to ignore all the characters and ignore everything, but you're just going to go off production value of this film, and you're rating it out of 10, it would at least be a 6. Even if you ignored everything else. That's And, like, people tell me off for this yeah. and, and and disagree, but, like... I've watched all forms of films and production values from low to high, and this has problems. Like, I'm not trying to say it otherwise, but I'll be honest, I'm going to say it. I enjoyed it. God help me. I look forward to the comments. But I enjoyed this film. I think it was genuinely trying to do something new. And before you bash me with the things that it's ripped off, I'm going to go into more detail about how basically everything you've ever loved and ever enjoyed watching is ripped off from something else. Because people seem to have this sudden, like, this is like this. And it's like, yeah, so's everything. Right. Star Wars is... This was a failed pitch for a Star Wars movie back in 2012, was it not? And Snyder had this idea, and he wanted to make a more adult-based science fiction, you know, series. Now... He's been partnered up with Netflix and people are moaning about Netflix being greedy and all, all this kind of stuff. That's not Snyder's fault. He's They've offered him the budget to go and make a film. He's going to go and make that project. He's not been able to sell Rebel Moon elsewhere. Netflix going for it. It is what it is. So people, I think, are 
annoyed about this film because of the comparisons to Star Wars. I wish he never said it was a failed pitch for Star Wars. I think that's setting yeah. it up to fail instantly because yeah. you're actually aggravating two camps. There's the people who hate Disney Star Wars anyway yeah, and are just like, hate anything to do with that. And there's people who love Star Wars who are like, I'm glad this is not involved with this. Do you know what I mean? It's like hitting two different types of people straight away or two different opinions on, on straight away. In terms of the first Star Wars A New Hope is a classic film in many respects but one of the things labelled at this film is oh the dialogue's really poor or it's like oh it's too it's too like plot and expositionary or whatever have you watched Star Wars A New Hope the dialogue is is trash like I um, love that film it yeah is by the way John's, John's I biggest, love Star biggest Wars biggest Star Wars fan biggest and, and like this is me like full honesty it, I'm surprised it, you got, said that it's here it's got trash dialogue at multiple points like you know mark hamill used to make the joke of you can you can type that shit george but you can't like you can't deliver it it's just nonsense (laughs) like it was notorious that it had poor dialogue now people were complaining this film oh it's it's so solemn and takes itself seriously i don't think the dialogue is anywhere near as poor as in the first star wars i would argue i think it's sometimes on the nose i think the dialogue don't get me wrong big... there's there's well-written parts of star wars don't take this as like john's giving star wars one star star wars for me is probably a nine if not a ten because i do think it's pretty much a perfect film but it still has things the that rebel, aren't perfect the rebel moon has better writing i'm just I playing devil's advocate you, you know you're playing devil's advocate no i think i think <laughs> i think the characters speak in a more realistic manner i don't think you get as much of the weird exposition dumps yeah personally Maybe like this is a wild take. I can already see like the comments coming. No, no, no. It's, like, it's, it's... But look, look. All I'm saying is, on a f- so I've watched it twice now, and the first time I, f- I thought, yeah, there are some scenes where it's quite exposition heavy, but it never felt like cheesy. And the second time round, I never felt like it has that. You know, I'm going to Toshi uh, Toshi Station to pick up some power converters from Star Wars, or like that kind of like. It did. It did. I think Star Wars gets away with it because it's one. It was filmed in the seventies, and two, it's got that high energy and fast pace. Whilst Rebel Moon is a slower burn. I think that might be some of the things people take issue with. I but... don't think Rebel Moon was a slow burn. I, I did think actually the script was its weakest point. Like so. So okay. for me, the, the Rebel Moon, I, I found the script to be quite hokey, quite cheesy. Um, there was some. There was some like really nice moments as well. Like. It's weird because, like, you have like, the, the, there's a lot of issues with it, and there's there's bits where it's like, um, uh, Cora has this bit where she's like, "Happiness that I don't deserve. I'm a child of war." Um, See, I don't mind that. So, to like, truly that... love and be loved, I don't think I'm capable of either. Okay, but then she carries on. Yeah, it goes a little, little bit, bit cheesier. Yeah, I'm like, I was like, that would have been quite <laughs> profound, but now it's quite cheesy. Or then it could have been doing stripped back at a level. I think I think that's fair. And again, I'm not I'm not against criticism of this but someone made it sound like a it was like a student art film kind of like the worst dialogue ever <laughs> written i'm just like i i've written one of those things by the way when i was at student uni. yeah and trust me the dialogue was crap but like it's it's nowhere near that it's just it's it i think my frustration is like well we'll get back to it because i am i'm not even talking about the plot properly yet and i will go back and properly run through the plot and talk about what actually happens i know we've done a synopsis but we i know we're not going to play by play but we probably need to get a bit into it oh but we are also not spoiling it so this is a spoiler free okay review of the film so we we're gonna we're not gonna spoil it but we we're we're gonna just talk about yeah is that okay yeah yeah, yeah. okay okay that's fine so yeah we can talk about like what 
the, the, oh, by the way, by the way, just let's, let's just bring the mood back up. Have you seen this bad boy? Um, the reason Don't why guess. I'm wearing oh, okay. my yep. movies in a poncho t-shirt is just to show you that they're still on sale. It's not because I'm that far up my own ass. Okay, <laughs> so that's why. Look, look at it. Look how. Do you know what? I, I forgot it was even on because it's so comfy. Right, it's before so get, comfy. Anyway, sorry, what are you saying? Before we get distracted, my issue is. <laughs> I, I don't mind constructive criticism, but what I've seen recently has been outright I. bashing. So cool. let, I'm going to address some of the, the feedback and criticism, which I think is unfair and, and explain some things. So I love Star Wars. We've established this, but Star Wars is essentially ripping off the best ideas of Seven, Seven Samurai, June and Flash Gordon. George Lucas wanted to make a Flash Gordon film. He couldn't buy the rights. So he made his idea, which was Star Wars. Now at the time, I think people were upset and started sagging off Star Wars as a Flash Gordon ripoff, which is hilarious now because no one probably even thinks about Flash Gordon in the same breadth of it. But we are where we are. I also love a TV show called Battlestar Galactica. The entire conception of that program, the whole re- it was actually originally supposed to be called not Star Wars, it was Star Mission or something, but it sounded so close to it. They were like, no, we can't do that. It had the special effects for... Uh, uh, the special effects team from Star Wars working on it. The model designs were pretty damn similar. It was literally a complete ripoff. And it ended up spawning in the modern version where they twist the idea. One of the greatest science fiction shows of all time. Political dramas. It's absolutely fantastic. So just trying to sow the seed here. If something can copy something and then end up being a really good thing on its own. And like have, you know, inspiration from elements. I also love Star Trek. I, I don't. To try not to talk about it too much on the pod because it's too nerdy and no one cares. But Star Trek has a show called Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine was a rip-off of another science fiction show called Babylon 5. Babylon 5 was about a space station where all these alien races who didn't get on and there was this idea of like a civil war might be coming, a cold war was happening, yada yada yada. And then essentially Star Trek were like, yeah, we like that. That's on Channel 5. It gets no views. We'll do it in Star Trek land. We'll make tons more money. And guess what they did? And they ripped it off. So trying to... St- level this whole Zack Snyder is a hack who has robbed all these elements like I don't think he's done it any more so than any person person's ever done and by the way when people start talking about the character traits of saying um I've got his name Charlie what's his name's characters like Han Solo it's like yeah but the rugged character of Han Solo was based on um you have like your stereotypes in in fantasy right you have yeah swashbuckling hero who's like the reckless one you have the prince charming you have the wizard who is over in, every, in everything really like but, but power like, rangers were the same like there's literally a whole thing of like in storytelling there's a belief and this was in media studies that there's only uh, seven plot seven points, stories yeah right and they're done over and over so when people suddenly start saying like that's like that it's like well i don't know if this whole it's a failed star wars script has made that comparison worse i think it's elevated <laughs> it i think that is a thing so that's that bit put to the side. In terms of, I think, what's fair criticism of this film and things I will take on board, I think the score is way too close to Justice Man of League. Steel. So it's, oh. And Man of Steel. Well, more so Justice League, but it's, it's Tom Holkenberg, also formerly known as Junkie XL. I like his stuff, but it's less melodic and more drums and percussion, which means very quickly it can sound very similar. So I am a big fan of Zack Snyder's Justice League. I'm not going to shy away from that. We did a whole episode on it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm an apologist for it, and, and gladly so. So I feel like it did feel tonally a bit too similar to that, and that frustrated me. And what I would also say in terms of that is the Snyder cut 
was for uh essentially four hours which is insane which is absolutely insane but do you know what because it was released on hbo max it could be and no one cared which is why i don't understand why netflix have released a theatrical mm. cut a bloodless theatrical cut yeah. on the promise of oh by the way in two three months time we're releasing the bloodied up adult version and by the way there's a low more backstory for these characters because one of the main complaints people are coming in with is the lack of backstory for certain characters the beauty of netflix is you can watch this at home no one cares if a film's four hours they binge watch a show four episodes in a row no problem well, even if it was a show so like if it was I, if it was a do you know if a mini series like it, yeah. it would have it would have been the same thing um so, so i just i'm just trying to say it's not Snyder's working for a platform and and an asked call it like Netflix is a different art form essentially in the sense of it can do what it wants it could release a five hour it could literally do anything with it yeah so it yeah. is frustrating that they've chosen like he's got big ideas and like there is a fair criticism is why can't he fit narrative structures to be tighter in a two and a half hour film I think that is a fair criticism you can level at this is why can't it be a cohesive smaller narrative but I also think, hold on, if you've got the broad strokes of a platform where you can do anything at any length anyway, and you know you've got a fan base who are really into this content and will have the longer stuff, just release that straight away. Because all Netflix want from it, and I'm aware of this, is they want me to rewatch it. And I'm going to because I'm a mug. I will rewatch it. I'll watch the director's yeah. cut. And, I'll, and, and, I think so know, all, and I think so will all the haters as well. All and, the haters will rewatch it as well. They'll hate. I don't it. know if they will. So I don't know they if they will. will. So, they can, so they can give it half a star again. <laughs> but anyway... <laughs> That, so that's 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 my my fair criticism rights with it and other thing i will say is the film starts so we will go into this this is not spoilers but the initial setup for the film is it gives you in star wars you've got the the opening scroll or crawl so this film uh decides not to do that and not to do a blade runner which is text at the start it decides to go with a voiceover so people instantly go oh voiceover to start a film that's rubbish don't like that like if you've got to explain your law it's like hold on this is lord a- of the rings does that you, you might, yeah, Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings does that. But before before we even delve into touching poking that bear, it's a brand new IP trying to establish its law. And I actually think, I don't think it's getting credit enough because people are talking about all the things it's homaging, but actually it's setting up a new law for a new universe. And if you like it or not, fair enough. But it is trying to be a new IP. And I do think it should have some element of respect for that because each planet's completely different. Mm-hmm. There's lots of different races. I feel like it's trying to do different things. And some criticism said the world's more interesting than the film. And I kind of, I can meet you halfway on that one. I think that's fair at points, but I still don't think narratively it's anywhere near as bad as people make out. While I've thought of it as well, if this was directed by J.J. Abrahams about 10 years ago, people would have buzzed off this. And I'll tell you why I say that. When Star Trek 2009 came out, it was a complete Star Wars ripoff. They made Chris Pine look at the Enterprise as if he was looking up at the two sons like Luke Skywalker and yada, yada, yada. And no one batters an eyelid because everyone loved J.J. Abrahams. He was on the up. He was on the up and everyone yeah. loved him. And like Star Trek was being revitalized, blah, blah, blah. But basically they made Star Trek Star Wars, which a lot of Star Trek fans hate, by the way. But by the by... I think a lot of this feedback and a lot of this abuse is because of the name attached to it. And that also frustrates me because if Zack Snyder tomorrow said he was never making any more films and TV shows again, I think it would be a massive blow to the industry. I don't care what anybody says. He has a guaranteed fan base. He has a visual flair and artistic style, which is so much more interesting than 90% of the crap that comes out. And I know there's people who've reviewed Anton Anton, the Wasp Quantumania ahead of this, or just drivel terrible marvel films which come out in the past two years and i'm just sorry i can't i can't 
buy but it. Did you know? But did you know that even even Jamie the worst Marvel? Did you know that even oh the worst God. Marvel films are actually pretty decent films? So even the likes of Thor: <sighs> Dark World is like pretty decent film. Um, anyway, so um, so sorry <laughs> that was a bit of a tangent. But back onto fair constructive criticism. I think the opening of the film with that voiceover. I think I basically you find out that the the Imperium are going around and all conquering, and there's a king and queen, and then an incident happens where they are killed by rebels, and then it starts making other planets think that they could stand up to stop this evil empire whatever you want to call it they're going around by the way evil empires weren't new when they were in star wars they existed in other science fiction properties before so i'm just going to educate you on that one anyway what they do is that the voiceovers done by anthony hopkins we find out anthony hopkins is the robot character i've had a criticism by the way yeah so a criticism that anthony hopkins voices the robot and also a criticism (sighs) that the robot's called jimmy i feel like that's clutching at straws really because guess what if the voice, if the voice, if it wasn't Anthony Hopkins, it would have been either Ian, Mc, sorry, Ian McKellen, Sir yep. Patrick Stewart, Liam Neeson, Morgan Freeman, uh, and Anthony Daniels, who are all considered to play the robot until Anthony Hopkins was checked. I don't see the problem. What, what's the? Why are I, I don't we? Get what's wrong any with, issue that? with that? But why is, what I was what's gonna, wrong with the robot being called Jimmy? Well, I, I'm ignoring that because I think it's complete BS. But anyway, I'm so trying hard not to swear this episode. So with Jimmy, Jimmy. We, is, we revealed to Jimmy later in the film, we find out they're robots which protected the king and queen, but once the rebellion went against them, they decided to put down their arms, they would fight no more. I feel like the reason I love Man of Steel is because that intro is so bloody tight. You you wake up, you're on Krypton, the dinosaur dragon roars, and then it, you see mm. the sunsets, and then you know exactly boom, 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 boom. And it's, yeah. it's like 15 minutes of pure action. Jeez, like yeah. what the hell's going on? I will find him! I will find him. All yes. that plot point. And it's so brilliantly executed. Uh-huh. This film starts with talking voiceover, slow and rap. And I think it's very fair criticism to say, why couldn't we see the assassination on the King and Queen? Why couldn't we see Jimmy lay down his arms and have the voiceover after that? That's the way I would change the film. I think it would stop this whole kind of people being annoyed at the narrator straight away. It would drop you in. You'd have that opening sequence and then the voiceover would contextualise it. Do you know what? That scene might even exist in the director's cut. And this is the annoying thing about recording this now and not knowing what's going to come later. When we're introduced to Cora, I think the things the film does well, I, I love the whole section from the first landing and you kind of get that inglorious bastards kind of, the Nazis have come to the village. Sure. And, you know, they're coming to, to take everything and, and ruin it. So Cora's on the planet, which is... Um, it's a uh what do you call it like a farming community and yeah. you get the good sequence like where yeah. they say it's the day before the harvest and they really set the tone up of like this is a happy place to be like they don't they don't have a lot but they're away from the technology and, and all is well and then you see the the ship coming in i thought the ship design's great by the way yeah yeah yeah. maybe i'm i, I thought it, it looked almost that warhammer 40k kind of vibe very industrial but it's kind of more spherical yeah. rather than just being straight lines to be honest i thought that so uh, the one thing i do think the film's got going for it the one thing the many things the the set the set design the production design the design the design of the aliens very very Mm -hmm. interesting love it love it and it looked very destiny too in some places do you know what destiny was one of the things i was thinking of as as well as halo um and then so once they land we kind of get as we said um that inglorious bastards kind of sequence (sighs) where 
they're coming in and you know it's all about to go down. I want to say his name correctly. I believe it's Ed Screen. S-K-R-E-I-N. Yeah. I think he's the... brilliant. I don't care what anybody says. As a bad... no, I think he's he's my favourite uh, in the whole film. So, he... yeah. I did see a funny criticism, and I will go for this, by the way, which is he looks too much like Matthew Horne and Gavin and Stacey with, like, the outfits he's wearing. So, you know, like Gavin and Gavin and Stacey, like that 2010s yeah. kind of, well, like me back in the day, top, top uh, collar done up. I think uh, he looked a bit stuff. like, he looked a bit like um, a football hooligan uh, yeah. with his skin fade. Brilliant. He has like a skin fade. Um, he's like a, like a weird He likes Peaky Blinders. Yeah, he, yeah. He's, I think he is the best part of the film. He, he carries it for me. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, he, brilliant. He's basically got, he's the character, I think, with the 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 very clear aim I think we're going to find out more about his background, but also I just feel like he just chews scenery in the best possible way. And and, you, and he sets the mood where, you know, we greet you with the hug of the embrace of the slain king, right? And there's this really uncomfortable hug where the guy clearly doesn't want to, excuse oh, me, make contact yes, with him. Horrible, yeah. And then, by the way, very harsh that they've hired all South African actors, essentially, to be the, the horrible military army who are trying to, like, yeah, <laughs> take over the population. I won't go into any more detail with that. But we get our first fight sequence quite early on, which is Cora protecting other villagers. That's we're keeping it general enough so we don't spoil. Well, I mean, I think that... it's a good fight and people oh, right. hate it. But anyway, hold on, go, hold on. So, so that bit. So we we talk. So the, the one strange thing about it is, like, skip forward thirty <clears> seconds if you don't. It's not. It's a minor minor spoiler. Go. The one thing I did find weird was that we 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 have a bloodless fight. All the fights are bloodless. Correct. And then we've got a scene of a gang rape, basically, of yep. a woman about to get raped. Yeah. And then, but then there's also like weird bits where the um, Atticus, who played by Ed Screen, belts some guy across the face, which is Clubs really him. brutal. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm like, it's so, I find that quite inconsistent and sanitized and it's weird and mm, weird. And, and again, when I, I go back to my point on platform, which is. This they can do what they want. You you can literally do what you want. That's the and, whole point and, and, of being streaming because you, you don't have to worry about it no being an 18. No one cares about ratings on streaming anyway. Like no one goes and says, "Is this a 15 or an 18?" Like I don't care what people say. I mean, they have kid locks account. I'm aware. Like if you're a kid and whatever, like you have those locked accounts and you can age restrict yeah. things. But look, you're on a platform where you can have all those things. Like well, I remember when the side cut came out, he it had more gore to it, didn't it? It was it wasn't bloodless, and it's the difference between the weed and cut and the, and the side cut. But anyway, yeah. That is frustrating. I, I won't. I won't disagree Sorry, carry with on that. with the story then. But when that fight sequence for Cora, I've seen lots of people complain oh, why, about why it. Is it. Why would people complain about that? I don't know, but I'm just saying that. I thought I, it was great. I think people's criticism about that. I have an idea of why it is. We're used to seeing Snyder fight sequences mainly, not solely, but mainly with superheroes. So when Superman's battering um, Zod or yeah. Wonder Woman, you're used to seeing slightly larger than life action. Whereas this is, I wouldn't say it's grounded, but it's more so grounded. More realistic, yeah. And I think people's criticism, which I think, again, is fair, is the greatest ever human fight Snyder's ever captured for me is Batman v Superman, Batman in the factory. I think it's absolute top okay. tier. It's so brilliantly done. and it always made me 300. 
I have seen 300, but I'm saying my, my, my personal preference. And also that factory sequence is more relatable to Cora's fight in terms of numbers and people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. not the same as that. But also, by the way, as well. it's very brutal, yeah. Batman has a grappling gun in that and swings around boxes. Like, Cora's just got a gun. So get on with it. So that's that. When we get to the... It's clear that action has to be taken because these guys aren't going to leave this planet alone. They they are going to stay here and people need to stand up because things are happening on the planet. We're, we're keeping it general. So you do get the sequence where they have to get off planet. And by the way, to get off planet, you probably do have to go to a spaceport no matter what film you're in. That's that's going to be how it I'd imagine goes. that's probably how Just it Just to give you a yeah. clarification. You know, like if I needed to get a car and I didn't have one, I'd have to go to a motorway service station. <laughs> if you go on holiday, you've got to go to an airport. You yeah, know? well, yeah, that's, do you know what, Jamie? That yeah. is the better one. That's the one I should have gone with. <laughs> anyway, so. Which service station would you choose, though, if you were to choose a service uh, station? I quite like Corley's, though. Corley? I hate Corley. Corley. What's I the one of... Corley or rugby, just rugby services. Rugby one service station service of the year, station 2023. Of the year, yeah. There we go. That's a tangent great, for the Great break. service, yes. What, what great content this is for Sorry everybody. Sorry about that. Anyway. Um... To Dr Pepper, just so you know, I'm not drunk when I'm giving, when I'm giving Rebel Moon a <laughs> solid 6.5 out of 10. Okay. Um, so, about Cora. So Jamie said about her speech, about it being um, a little bit too much, a little bit. I kind of thought she's just a PTSD, which she is, warrior, or previous warrior. Um, am I spoiling? Mm. Well, yeah, just don't go into too much. But anyway, <clears throat> I, she, I, she... I feel like she has justified reasons to be the way she is. It's a bit on the, it's a bit let's on the keep, nose. Let's yeah. keep it there. And the... also, there are flashbacks of her, and I can't go into too much detail about those flashbacks i yeah. think some of the cinematography on those flashbacks is incredible it involves snow and a battle i think yeah. i genuinely that's enough one now of most, that's enough one of the most beautiful things but yeah again snyder's mum was a um a painter apparently so apparently that's why he has such a thing about those when he slows things down to like take in the frame and i feel like you can see that in his work yeah and, and i think also... you, you love it or you hate it and at this point I'm I'm here saying I I think Jamie's right I think six point five is probably about right but for me I enjoyed it a bit more I would say a seven but I completely understand what people don't like about his films but I don't see how you can look at them and say oh that's ugly or oh I that, understand it looks really bad I don't like it like they don't like I just I can't get on board with that well but, it's hey. because when you give it one star you were incorrect I don't care if it's your opinion you, you're wrong anyway. So um, we saw. Just guess what? There's nothing you can do about it because I have this platform. <laughs> yeah. And then, no, so I'm kidding. When it comes to Cora and and the recruitment process, I feel like there's some fair criticism of they don't have enough time necessary to introduce. Right. Can I talk about this bit? Yeah, yeah, go for it, please. The so this is sorry, the, I'm riled tonight. No, it's it, you. You <laughs> are. You are. And that, there, there was me thinking you were going to have to rein me in. Um, but this is the most negative movies in a pod show podcast you've ever heard. I'm joking. It's not. It's going to be. It's. We're, we're, it's look, all good. All we're fun. doing. All we're it is. All we're doing is justifying. Um, so my biggest problem with the film, by far, is the 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 narrative of it and the the next part we're going to talk about. So we're not going to talk about anything further than this. But basically, they have to. It's in the synopsis. They have to go and recruit a band of warriors from different but places. Up until that point, were you happy? Let's let's just start with like yep. the opening yep. act. Oh. Everything up until that bit, I yep. think, is pretty much spot on. Do you know what, what I was expecting and what I wanted? Apart from, as I joked, a Man of Steel intro would have been nice to kind of drop you in. 
you know what? Yeah. But I'm yeah, just going to go look at some. No, no, no. I'm just going to look at something real quick. I just wanted to see what I had given Alita Battle Angel because I. Well, I didn't read it, apparently. Hmm. Don't worry. I'm sure I did. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Because up to that point, the bit where they go into the there's a there's a bar and a fight, blah blah blah. There's, there's I didn't find it slow paced at all. I think there's loads of action. In in actual fact, I think the film's too fast paced. My main issue yeah. with the film is that, and this is genuinely what it does, and this is why it stops the film from being great. It stops the film from being anywhere near Snyder's best. It stops the film from it really does fall flat on its face from this sole thing. And it's yes, the dialogue's hammy, but. It's delivered perfectly. No fine more so than other science fiction no. properties good. was the point we were making. But good yeah. actors. Uh, the, the actors are good. The performances are good. Um, the, the main issue of the film is that they go from planet to planet, and I shit you not, they they recruit a few a few warriors and they spend on some planets less than five minutes, and it's almost like they turn up and be like, hey, do you want to do you want to come and take on the mother world? And they're like, oh, I don't know, actually, no, no, no. Do you really want to come and take them on? And they're like, yeah, okay. yeah, all right. Then. And, and so and so, I was yeah. I was a bit like, oh, that's not very good. And then it, it gets it kind of gets worse and worse, and it's like that feels like that's going to be the bits that are filled cut. out though. That's not yeah. fair. That's that's and it's not fair, and that's and that is a fair so criticism stupid. against against the platform. But what I would say is. Rogue One did that too, and I don't remember people taking such issue with it. But then again, Rogue, Rogue One was very divisive. Like I yeah. personally love Rogue One, so I had no. I would say, no, I would say people. For me, as a science a... fiction fan, like I like seeing the world. So I'll be honest, like the characters obviously matter, but like I was just like, oh, cool new planet, and each one was very like visually distinctive. Like you had Gladiator X planet, you had more of like the the you do get the desert planet. Sorry, guys, who like Tatooine, other desert planets existed, i.e. the one in June. Uh, but you know, y- you get. I, you get to see the different worlds. I don't feel. I think it's absolutely fair criticism. We don't get enough time with each person when they're introduced because they kind of get in and not, then not and at all. And put in the background. It's ridiculous. And, I think. I think that's quite ridiculous. And but I feel um, like, and I hope that is the thing that has changed because if you remember pre Snyder cut, how little screen time. Um, I forgot the character's name. Cyborg had. He was completely mm. shafted. Yeah, an yeah. entire plot point, an entire yeah. plot. They were like, no, we'll cut that. And then the Snyder Cut literally spent 40 minutes of, of that journey. So I feel like I'm hoping we kind of get something similar to that in terms of <laughs> giving them more to do. But in terms of there's a sequence involving one of those people we are introduced to, which caused controversy due to the weapons she was using. Oh, so she's, she's using swords. But they are they very, like they're, they're very reminiscent to lightsabers, and I just shut I just, up. Yeah. Anyway, shut up. Whatever. Many, I would like, have been. I would have. I would have been happy to be fair. How many laser guns have you seen in every film? Do you know what yeah, mean? Like, exactly. Flash Gordon, by the way. But, what's um, the problem? Like, yeah, it, it uh, is. Uh, do you it know is what, what it like, is. It I is just what think it is. It's like clutching at straws. I genuinely like. Look, I, I I pulled up something earlier that I just think is like just proof, really, and it does lead me on to a question. Sorry, yeah, go um, on. Um, so we've had a question. Uh, da, 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 da. Right. Is Zack Snyder held to a higher standard than other directors? Yes. And why, in your opinion? Um, put, it, put it this way, right? Um, so on Metacritic... So first of all, first of all, we've got, we've got Rebel Moon, which on, on IMDb is a 5.7 out of 10. Which, which isn't actually a stomach. million miles away from where stomach. it should be. I think no, somewhere, and... somewhere between 6, 6.5, <clears throat> I think, would be fair. I personally yeah. enjoyed it more, but I am. I can stomach a five point seven, right? Yeah. But but the and then you've got on Letterboxd, it's a two point one. Nonsense. Out of five. 
two point one out of five. So we're saying it's a it's a four out of ten. No. Um, and I think that the people on Letterboxd, I'm on there, that are more filmy, and I would say that take more of a passion in film, and and yeah, whatever. It doesn't really matter. Metacritic, right? So it's currently sitting on Metacritic. I want to say at a thirty-three. So it's a three out of ten on Metacritic. But guess what? So believe this or not, which I think is crazy. Um, so we've got Batman versus Superman sitting on Metacritic at a forty-four, four out of ten, four point five out of ten. We've got user score seven point three. This is critics, by the way. So critics, I know, I know it's a different. Critics expert. have given BVS forty-four. They've given Man of Steel, arguably is is top three films. I think They've so. They've given yeah. it a 55. So it's a, it's a 5.5 It was divisive though, wasn't it? It was divisive at the time. Yep. They've given 300, arguably again in his top three, a 52. So it's a 5 out of 10. They've given Watchmen, believe it or not, a 56. Watchmen, a 56. What? One Watchmen. of the greatest comic book adaptations ever. Watchmen is a solid. I would go as far as saying it's probably a 9 out of 10, especially the extended one. I, I'll, I'll die on that hill. I, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I get so frustrated because I think critics. I think <sighs> critics. Like, it's, he's the only no, person I feel like you can me. bash. I, I feel like he's yeah. like a free pass. I, genu- is, I, I genuinely feel like he's. I don't why? know what he's. I don't know because if he's, he's the nicest guy. He's the nicest guy. Maybe on... he said something to someone in the industry a long time ago. I have no idea, but I've never seen like the amount. So, let's go back to let's even even fan reviews and and I think. His, it's not his fault the way the Snyder Cut went down. There are some groups of fans who push too far. That's yeah. not his fault. That's not his problem. He, It wasn't him. He posted something. It doesn't mean the way people reacted afterwards. That's not his problem. I feel like there's a backlash on that. I don't think people were happy with that. And people like to take the piss out of it, frankly, and react to that. That's one thing. In the terms of the actual films, though, you you can you can get on board with films or not in terms of if they speak to you or not. But we are still, and we have chatted about this. What's this? Episode 50, God knows what. 67. Right, 67. You've done about, you've, to be fair, you've done about 50. But, <laughs> yeah, probably, probably, probably <laughs> really about maternity. But what I was going to say was, the I'm sick, and I see this online all the time, of the whole, it's either one star or five star, and there's nothing in between. Because the truth is, this isn't top tier Snyder for me. I think it's probably top four, top five for me. You, we're going to go through this later, but to yeah. to kind of be so derivative and say it's one star is just nonsense, and you know it's nonsense, but you know that because like one, I feel like Snyder Hate gets so many clicks. I feel like it's absolute bait online because if you like him or not, that yeah, we're name carries. Ourselves off. We're mugging we, ourselves we, off. We are, but he yeah. carries so much weight to it. He it carries so much weight to it, and I yeah. I wonder if. Coming out the bat with um, not Army of the Dead, the first one was the um, Dawn of the Dead remake, which every, I think, like on the whole, people, people liked. like it. No, yeah, people do. That like came it. out the bat. Then you had Three Hundred, which was such a visually distinctive film, and like some people didn't like that film, and I completely understand why they didn't like it. But it's an again, banger. I don't think it's like a Three Hundred is a banger. Film. And then you've got Watchmen. This is Sparta, John. And Watchmen's one of those films which seems to be getting critically re-evaluated. And I I stand by, I said on a podcast probably 10, 15 episodes ago, that a lot of Marvel, especially from tier four or whatever it was, four onwards. Phase 15. Oh, whatever, I don't even care anymore. It's it's literally, if you go back and watch the the failed 
trilogy as it were which wasn't allowed to be completed it will still be looked back better in terms of filmmaking and what they were trying to say and the fact it was leaning into the greek mythology i will die on that hill i'm sorry i won't i won't change that opinion because i genuinely think they are better films than a lot of the trash that came out and people always take and this is the other thing with slider so in the opening of the film there's um a ship comes through and the portal looks like a vagina right people are saying it looks like a vagina it's coming through they're like oh snyder trying to use imagery because he thinks it's like it's really pretentious and like oh look at me i've got imagery in my films it's like even if he is putting it in for like imagery and for reasons and trying to have substance behind it why why take the piss out of it would you rather it just be a nothing and have nothing behind it like if you don't agree and or like care about those things it is fine, but I don't see why the need to completely slate it. Like, slating someone for having ideas and themes in their film seems a bit wild to me. Like, what, you don't want yeah. any themes or any, any like, iconography or whatever? Like, I, 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 I struggle. I, yeah. Um, sorry, I, I, I am aware. I, I probably sound like the biggest Snyder fan, and the, and the irony of it all is, to be completely honest, I'm really not that arse. No, no, nor am I. I, no, I no. haven't watched 300 in about 10 years, but, like, I'm, the last time I'm I watched having... it, I... I I, I enjoy it. I don't. I don't think it's the best film ever. I think Watchmen's his best. I think it's the best script. I think it's the yeah. closest to being like his perfect film. But still, yeah. narratively, it's a film which takes about four hours to tell the story. Yeah. So there is a fair criticism as he struggles with yeah. that sh- shorter time frame. I think Man of Steel's the most coherent A to B narrative. I think it's yeah. his best all rounder on that front. And then Batman v Superman, I think he's bogged down. I love so many elements of it, but it is bogged down and again needed a three hour plus cut to get everything in. So if we're criticising the ability to make that two and a half hour film, I think that's fair criticism. But I also think by this point, people know he's not particularly great at that. So you're on a platform where you don't have to do that. So why have you done that? Why have you then released that? And we know why. It's streaming numbers to watch it twice. But it's just David Ellis writes in, and he says, I don't get the hate for Snyder, nor do we. And I love many you, of David. his films. Yeah, thanks, David. Someone's <laughs> just balanced. Isn't it nice to just have balance? This is, and by the way, we say it all the time, the most honest podcast. We, we, I, I, think we're, I think we're balanced. And I don't care if people are upset with and think we're wrong because they're wrong. David Lettis writes in, he says, I don't get the hate for Snyder and I love many of his films. Mm. Is he a better director of material he hasn't written? Keen I to hear your thoughts. Yes, I, I think it's fair to say that the, so Jamie said himself, he felt the weakest part of this film was the dialogue or yeah. one of the weakest Uh-oh. parts of the film. I, so, and he has written it himself with his wife, I believe. So I think Watchmen, I, it, to my memory, he didn't write the screenplay. And so I he, think he didn't it's... write Watchmen, Man of Steel, or Batman versus Superman, or Dawn of the Dead. He did, however, Fair. write 300, which arguably is top three. Mm. He wrote he wrote Wonder Woman, directed by Patty Jenkins. That's interesting. I did not yeah. realise that. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and again, that's considered to be a top three DC EU film. And and actually, some people think it's the best. Um, it's a good but, film. Um, and in actual fact, when we're comparing to the DC EU, that is essentially like pointing the prettiest piece of glitter out on a piece of dog shit so um yeah anyway i'm inclined to say he's a far better director than he's a writer because i think some of the writing when he does write it can be well i I think i think this is a perfect example rebel moon is a perfect example of that if he probably if he actually had someone that's written the script properly the screenplay 
Sorry, I don't mean written it properly. I know what you know you're trying what I mean. to say. You're trying to say so, it, it, it's a bit like Lucas with the prequels. You feel like at times it just needs another pass. It needs someone else to kind of uh, conversationalize it so. and make it a bit it more. It would have been a lot better. I, I think the truth is his writing is always very melodramatic and I love it. It's that Shakespearean kind of everything's always the end of the world. Everything's very somber and everything's very OTT. It's very kind of like Hamlet, Hamlet and Macbeth vibes. It's always that yeah. kind of, you know, everyone's somber and stoic and i don't like it i mean i i personally it never bothers me it's like it's, it's never something that's frustrating me but i understand why people don't like it yeah um but let's quickly get on something which i find interesting and i and again this is a criticism i've read which i think is fair but not something i personally took issue with which is snyder decided to shoot this film essentially pretty much all of it f1 so to make it as bog standard clear as possible, that basically means that it's a very, very shallow depth of field. So basically, at yes. F1, your eyes are in focus, but your nose, especially mine, because I've got a big nose, as you can see on camera, would be out of focus. And the really back noticed. of my ears would probably be out of focus. No- You've got a lovely it's, little button nose, mate. I've it's very noticed. hard to kind of keep the focus on that. And he does it to create this kind of otherworldly, dreamy feel. Some people don't like that. It actually takes away from the immersion because it's so isolated. It kind of almost looks fake. But I feel like he shoots in such a distinctive style. And he did this with Army of the Dead, by the way. He rehoused lenses. And he's done, it with, seen an- that. And he's yeah. done it with anamorphic lenses for this film. I, now, was, I put anamorphic lens on here because it looked anamorphic to me. like Because it mm. had that, like, is it bokeh effect? It's, it kind has of like, curved edges. Because yeah. the image is like originally square and it's squeezed back out. And it gets like these curves. And people like the way when light hits it, it like flares form in certain ways. So people like that style. I love that look, by the way. Yeah, it's, That's it's very cool. much the J.J. The J. J. Abrams J. J. Abrahams look, and Spielberg back in the day as well used it yeah. quite a lot. Love so it's I like that style, but I understand people saying, oh, I'm not sure about anamorphic on F1. Because normally when you have an anamorphic shot, it's stopped down a bit more. So you can see more of the background. So it's not just as clear. You know, you don't just get... Mm. Um, like one subject in focus you might have people behind so I, I think that is fair if that would annoy you I, I get that I don't I don't think but then I quite like it and I personally different. think it's just a visually distinctive thing he does I just I just but the Batman had yeah. very similar and no one everyone lauded the Batman oh god yeah like... because Matt Reeves and we all love Matt Reeves and by the way I, I love the Batman I actually think it's a really good film but well we again, reviewed it go, he's... go and see how much we loved it we loved it it's another case of where I think I just don't know at what point it became like, oh, we could... I, I wonder if it's because 300 was aimed basically at teenage boys at the time because that was the market was unashamedly going for. I was a teenage for. boy at the time, mate, and I loved it. I know. And I wonder if like, that's yeah, kind of pigeonholed him to being that thing and then DC probably didn't help with that. But and... the thing is, I know it's aimed at teenage boys. But also boys, it sells. He's got so female he... empowerment. He, but but so, female right. empowerment throughout all of his films. Correct. And, and so... And this is what I just find quite astounding, really, because he he has like, oh, my camera's all wobbling. So Jamie's like, I spoke yeah. to Kate Reviews Films and I said, out of curiosity, do you feel empowered by watching something like Rebel Moon? Because actually you've got a lot of female characters who are taking the lead on situations and they're not. It's not for the sake of talking about men every five minutes. It's literally just. You've got your Sigourney Weaver. I mean, it's not Aliens. It's not Aliens. Don't come bashing me saying I'm saying it's as good as Aliens. 
I'm just saying that you've got a lead with Cora. I think Cora's a good lead. I think her back Mate, can't she's a, reveal. She's, a, she's her so, back story's great. Her physicality is incredible. She's so, just, yeah, the like, fight she's sequences. Ripped. She's ripped. She's way, I was way thinking, more ripped than like, I am. She's shredded. And she's just I was thinking brilliant. she needs to be the next Tomb Raider. Like she, yeah, yeah. The, the, cool. That fight scene, I was like, ooh, Lara Croft. I'm like, because she's yeah. like, she's so ripped and kind of athletic and you just... Yeah, I think you buy her backstory as well when they get into that. Again, we can't reveal. Like you, you buy the entire thing. But, um, yeah, and I was basically saying to Kate, I feel like in this film, in general, in slider films, I think women are portrayed in a positive way. I think there's there's fair criticism for Amy Amy Adams' character, um, Lois Lane's not always given the most to do in in the in the Man Man of Steel and said trilogy. And I think that's fair. But in this, I feel like we've got a heroic feminine lead who's strong and isn't relying on men. And, and also, you know, it's mentioned at the start, there's casual relationships. And it's not a big deal. And like some man's trying to tell her to marry off. And she turns yeah. around and says, well, what? Like, why? Like, why do so, I have to? Why do I have reason... to overcomplicate it? I'm, I'm fine with yeah. it how it is. And it's like, yeah, I, I yeah. Sorry. Anyway. Man. No, 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 it's fine. Um, I just wanted to say a, a few things that I, I did like about the film. So I, yeah, I actually like it. the fact. I actually like the fact that the the baddies are, the baddies are like, kind of Nazi esque, and they've got the that kind of Nazi kind of emblem. Um, I actually like that. I think it's. I, th- I think it's. Um, I think it's. I just think it's interesting. Did you like um, the suits? The fact they're all like dusty now, so it kind of implies that they were originally like really shiny of like a better age, and then like it's decayed over time. I, like, I like. I feel like the world is so rich, and this is something probably not going to cross. Like right. the world building itself, I feel like there's so much lore to be had here, and I completely. There is. It feels like a lived-in world, and whether you like, I would the like world to say or not, something. Boom. Yeah. The, the, so I do. Yeah, I agree with that. I would like to say something. So, so really interesting thing. We've got. We've, we're going to talk about budgets as well because this is this is really important. So. Um, because the film we're about to talk about is very low budget Completely and looks spectrum. <laughs> incredible. Yep. Um, this was made for $166 million, right? Both of them were, though. Both of them were, yes. So in actual fact, that's $83 million each, right? $83 million each for two films is not that bad, and it looks absolutely stunning. I think most of the, probably the the budget I, I, I will i can see where the budget was saved so another small criticism where i'd be like right i can see where they've, they've saved budget here mm-hmm. and that would be that when they are going to lots of different places and lots of different planets you don't really get to see much of the planet it's very much it's like one we, place we there arrive here and then yeah. we go to this place and that's it you don't you don't see any sprawling landscapes except the main the main place the, the cornfields where they actually grew the corn for real which is love that um, they they actually grew real cornfields, which is I found pretty cool. Um, which is might be a little bit of a waste of money, but you can see every single penny on screen. Like for for an eighty three million pound film that's like big budget like this, it looks it looks like a two hundred million dollar film. You know? Yep. I, Do I, you agree? Absolutely. Um, I think yeah, it's fair to say you don't see lots of each planet, but also they only go to one location to pick people up. So I think it's yeah. hard to kind of do that, but. Um, it's one yeah. of the best looking. It's got some of the best looking CGI. Like the, this the is what robot, Snyder does so well. So physical. Like, yeah, and the I, fact that, that it's interacting with water and it's really hard because I really want to do a spoiler special, but it's it's difficult because no. I know people haven't seen it yet, so it's really hard to go much further. This I will say though, one of my favourite fight sequences. Um, I'm going to try and do it without spoiling it. Is they're on a planet where there is a creature which has been stealing away children, which in itself is quite a harrowing thing. Yeah, and there's a fight sequence involving so good. 
I I love I thought that was and again going back to your Greek mythology that's the kind of thing when I'm reading that that that's what I'm imagining yeah. or like the old Ray Harryhausen's that vibe in a modern yeah. take shot really well really well integrated CGI everything feels like it's got weight and physicality so it's what some of the best CGI I've seen in mm, a very very long time like I'm just it, I'm there's, so there's frustrated out there yeah. if, if if I'd seen if everyone had said it's a three three out of five star or close to the imdb to be honest like six out of ten yeah, yeah. i probably I would have about it probably none of this rant my, but one of, one of my biggest biggest problem is yeah. like you've got famous very famous film critics really dragging it and like really clutching at straws and there was a film critic that like i, I won't i won't mention who it was because i highly james gonna highly, get cancelled just no, after no, we spent our riverside no, uh, subscription i just have like <laughs> high respect for them and one day would love to have them on but basically like completely dragged the film for like 10 minutes and then to the point of where like there was a really lovely interview with the co-host and snyder was like yes, yeah, being the I nicest know, he, was, he was nicest pie re- really passionate he's just a, a big geek um but there's, he's never he's never prickly he's he's always he's always respectful and i have a feeling that this particular critic has like a bad relationship with him because he's always Correct. smashing his films and so Snyder's told, like, right, you've got to go and do these press things. And Snyder's, like, turns up, nice as pie, being like, this is my film. This is why I'm passionate about it. And, and yes, it is a, it's a bog standard 6 out of 10, 6.5 out of 10, at the, at the best, in my opinion. I, I think that is, we, we would be pushing the boundaries if we would say it was any more than that um, because of the, the, the glaring issues with the script and the the rushing how it's been rushed along um we will see a director's cut i think that's irrelevant at the moment and i think it's i think it's wrong that that's happened i, I don't like it and it needs to stop um i think that if we're going to release a film we just need to rele- release it release, release what time. the final thing is i think just and cut- this is what martin scores i would say that i would say that snyder has a lot of clout at this point should do it and he should be allowed to do that um and so maybe netflix maybe the deal was if you, you have to release because they're Two working versions. on them both at the same time that that's the weird thing there the second the one comes out in april doesn't time. it yeah yeah so so the, the the second actual film comes out in april not the director's cut Correct. So, yeah the director's so cut someplace so in between yeah. this is what i find strange and, and that's why the original justice league compared to the that's Zack something Snyder else cut, i need to say as well like i saw would, would you like to so we should we finish up on that then and then we can do questions yeah, on yeah that sorry I, I will then stop no, someone started ranting and like I saw four reviews moaning about the fact the film stopped halfway through when it clearly says at the start part one. And when people saw June, did you hear anybody have the same complaint? Now, I don't think it's as good as June, and I'm not trying to pretend it is. There's no one here as good as June. It's, no, it's not. And that's that's fine. I don't need everything to be June. Like this is sci fi opera. It's going back to that Flash Gordon vibe of like the the dialogue in those things was quite cheesy and melodramatic. I know Snyder likes that more melodramatic style. That's all by the by. But this whole thing where people are like, it, it stops halfway through. It's like, it starts with part one. And by the way, yeah. the end of June, for all the things I like about June, it doesn't finish any more satisfaction, satisfactorily. That's not even a word. It doesn't give me any more satisfaction with the way it ends than this does. Nor does any of the Lord of the Rings films. The Lord of the Rings ends. Lord, Lord of the Rings one is just like you know. About yeah. to go, well, I look, remember. That, yeah. that, that's fine. Yeah. That's what happens right. with trilogy films or sequel yeah. films, and and it is what it is. But again, it's being hit at this as if it's like 
like the, the bastard child the first time it's ever happened I'm just the only like, thing I, I would just say, don't get it the only thing yeah. I would say is if, if we're I would say the closest <laughs> thing to Rebel Moon in terms of like tone and scope would be something like Dune which did have double the budget directed by David Villeneuve who's a far far more accomplished and better director in my opinion and I would say that if I was going to tell if someone wanted to watch something like this I would direct them towards Dune because that's something that Villeneuve does give us like proper scale um, he he shows scale more than any other director like it's it's incredible really and that, this that's for me is a comic book film it's a, it's it shows... a science fiction comic book film mm. I, I feel I, like I, that's that's the way i i no, went is, into yeah. it as it if, if i wanted to if i go to forbidden planet and i'm looking through a sci-fi comic like this is kind of what yeah. it is and that's exactly what it's like yeah. from snyder and yeah well look let's uh let's just finish Sorry. up on some questions and no no you're right uh John, this is your podcast. You it's can really funny though because I know want. in the comments people are like, "Oh, like you said, the dialogue in Star Wars was really bad." It's like the dialogue in New Hope is bad, and like it has a lot that's of amazing performances. Of, that's why it's the worst. You hate the New Hope. Trilogy. Do you remember when you were like, "I hate the first forty minutes of New Hope"? Do you remember? Literally, yeah. when we were at uni, I used to say, "Like, let's watch New Hope," and you just wouldn't do it. You're I like, am um, all right. So I've, um, I was going to say famously, but not famously at all. Maybe one day. Um, a new, I think that New Hope is the worst out of the first trilogy. I think it goes. I think it goes. Um, a New Hope, then Return of the Jedi, then uh, Empire. Empire Strikes Back, and and I just think that I, I don't know something about a New Hope that I just think. I, I just you find found it boring. Quite, I remember yeah, you used to say you just found it boring. Like, but and, anyway. said, and do you know what? I still do now. Anyway, that's not. What I'm not throwing you under the bus with that. By the way, I just try to give like, context. You're trying to, to, you're trying like... to deflect. You're trying to deflect you. you, you a New Hope uh, dialogue <laughs> comments off on me. That's. Do you know what? I reckon it's from funny. there on out, no one's taking you seriously. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we don't want John. Get John to have another baby. We don't need him you'll, back anymore. You'll get He's got terrible opinions. <laughs> you'll get messages about that. Um, right. Um, right. Let's have a look then. Um, Kate Reviews Films writes in. She says, favorite Rebel Moon character and person you're most excited to spend more time with. Right. And if you've got to look for the names of the characters, John, that might mean it's badly written. <laughs> Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> I love the way you casually drop that. So I saw someone complain about. Um, oh, it's so hard because we're not allowed to say spoilers. Okay, no right, spoilers. fine. Okay, on oh, no spoilers from the characters that went off the bat. Like, Cora's obviously going to have a. We're going to see more of her backstory and her art. Yeah, I like Cora. I see people call yeah. her uh, her. Um, someone said she was a charisma vacuum. I didn't agree, but whatever. We are where we are. Atticus is uh, my favorite space Hitler. In terms of bring back, bring more Atticus. I want yeah. Atticus. I just I want, want to watch him, him tear it up because literally he's yeah. just like the in 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 science fiction. You just need a bad guy you absolutely hate and have no time for. And I absolutely hate him. And I am I hate him. looking forward to seeing him in his Tommy Hilfiger suit. Yeah, all of it. It's it's you know it's, I hate his skin fade. I hated the tattoo under his eye. I want to smash his face in, and that's that's why he's good. Um, yeah, you need that, I'll, don't you? You, you know need, what? You need you know to like, like to see them and know like ah, oh, I'm against them. Like, you know how like Marvel uh, owned is Disney own Marvel Star Trek now. Well, they've do they do Disney own Star Trek uh, Star Wars. Bloody right. hell, what's wrong with me? Disney own Star Wars now, and you know how they do just the Darth Vader comic. Yeah, yeah, just do That's this what guy. I want to see. I just want to see him. Okay, I see him I, just going around. I have a genuine question then, and and this is not not planned in. If this was a Star Wars property, mm. and it wasn't got it hadn't got Zack Snyder's nail on it, how do you think it would fare? Because I genuinely believe if it had a lightsaber in it... It does. 
Apparently it does. If it, if it yeah. had and the Empire and whatever, I reckon people's would not even notice the dialogue of it, having watched most of the Star Wars TV shows of recent years, including Boba Fett, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Mandalorian Season 3. I genuinely feel like it would be probably rated at least a 7 out of 10. I think, yeah. So I think it would sit somewhere... Just saying. The only... The, just saying. Again, again, the the biggest the biggest problem I have is how it rushes through the middle third. It's it's so rushed and it does not feel good. But, but no, it but doesn't t- feel t- good. But everything in between is great. I get Enjoy. that. But Enjoy. Do, you, do you think if it was the Disney IP Mate, I think if and it, it was had Star an, Wars... I, had, I think if it had an A24 logo directed by Alex Garland... Who directed Annihilation? People would be like, "Oh, it's so profound! It's so... It's got such big ideas! It's so ambitious!" Yeah, yeah. That's that's what people would say. It'd be like, "Any twenty-four have done it again. They've they've made another film, and they probably only distributed it, but they've made another film." That's what happened. Like, um, but then unfortunately, um, it's we've mate, we've got to pay that Zack Snyder tax. He must be taxed. The trolls at the bridge. This is how much it costs. It costs one star to come across this bridge. <laughs> so it's not a two-star film. It's, sorry, it's not a three-star film. It's a two-star film. One star to get across this bridge because the trolls, that's what we want. All right? Zack right. Snyder tax. Anyway. En- enough. Let's get uh, some positive things. I would like to I would like to spend more time with oh, Titus, played by Jaimin Hounds. Hounso. Oh, man, I've butchered that big time. But do you know what? He's the mentor in Never Back Down, the film Never Back Down, the greatest ever uh, made sports film of ever, all the time. So yeah, I my, love him. So my issue with that is I'm I'm going for it. It's not a spoiler. His 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 character it says on his IMDb page he's a general, but you don't yeah. see him lead an army. And I, I just thought, want to see him lead. And people yeah. said, oh, isn't it rubbish that you go to general and he doesn't get to do anything with the team? It's like it's clear uh, the next film is going to be all about him training up an army. Right or training? You better hope, a pro- it, you better hope that it that is, is what though. Shows. There's a trailer out already. I've seen the bloody trailer. It's clear he's training them. So people are just yeah. Anyway, here's what it is. Anyway, people hate it. Um, Whatever. I liked it. I watched it twice. So and I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch it a third time when the director's cut comes out. Yeah, so. you are. Yeah. Go on. Um, Kiln Flub writes in and he says, "Barry Penis." What? I'm ass- that's ah, a week about. behind. Yeah, I know. But sorry. He's- I think he got a reaction, so he's back. Um, <laughs> Patch writes in and he says, um, is using overused tropes and cliches ever acceptable? Should writers always be looking to adapt into new areas or subvert those common story elements that they are tr- that are tried and tested? Nearly ran out of breath there. I mean, look, there's a balance. And I feel like, yeah, I think it's fair to say that Snyder leads into a few of them too heavily in this. Mm. but again i'll be honest when i watched it it didn't really bother me i never i th- I think J- jamie's right on dialogue I, I, in terms of like that speech at the start from cora goes on a bit too long and it's a bit too um too much of a soliloquy than it should be you know we we didn't need that much but i feel like i don't know I'd like to see less tropey things, but to be honest, a lot of it is trying to get things across to the lowest common denominator in film. And I think when... Mm. Uh, am I wrong? Like, I feel like that's what they're trying to do. There's a sweet spot yeah. somewhere I mean, unless in the it's, unless, unless it's Stalker by Tarkovsky, well, um, which the, low in commerce, the lowest common denominator... It's I, not I, for <laughs> you. 
Should I start doing that? Should we start doing the oh, Rebel Moon? It's, it's not for you. Did you not see it's a 12A? No, it's, it's, so it's, not, it's not for you. Those themes went over your head. And by the way, I'm absolutely not doing that genuinely before someone clips that up and sends it over. But anyway, yeah. It's not for you. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> I think that uh, overused tropes and cliches. I mean, everything's been overused at this point. Indiana Jones, we've, we see, we've seen that used a million times. We've seen the the old gunslinger come back we've seen we've seen lord of the rings tropes like used a million times we've seen the, the every fantasy film is like lord yeah of the rings, isn't like it? so i just think that as long as as long as it's got a good script which this doesn't have but as long as as long as something's got as long as something's got a good script and it's acted well and uh, i don't know I, I, we're going to be sitting watching the same story do you know what if you want something different and profound and something like that's going to completely take you from the side go and watch some korean cinema just yeah. go and do that because because what you expecting with rebel moon like you expecting it to change your life it's not it's just it's a sci-fi silly sci-fi film just have and try and enjoy it i went in there with my expectations were rock bottom and i went yeah. in there because guess what I like films and I wanted to enjoy them. So I'm like, I'm just here trying to enjoy films. So I spend all my life working and then all my free time doing this just so I can get loads of hate. So anyway, Patch, there you go. Don't worry about the tried and tested elements. Don't worry about subverting my expectations. Final score on the door for this film then. What are you ending it on? For you, and I'll give mine. I, I really think that it's it's a struggle to give it it's it's between a six and a six point five, and we've said before yeah. there's nothing wrong with the six. Like I, that's I'd like say, uh, what was I'd, the I'd film? Probably say, I'd probably say it's a six out of ten. I'd, I'd probably say that it is a six out of ten. If my hand on my heart, I, I enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. I think my enjoyment was a seven, but we don't rate on enjoyment. We rate on what the film is and is it good or not. And I think that there is too much rushing of the middle third, and there is the the plot the Fair. the dialogue is just not good enough in places there is some there's there is there is one line that i really laughed out loud from which was from the guy in the bar where he's like i've got a bed upstairs with relatively clean sheets which <laughs> yeah he was I, great. That, that was what i was gonna introduce you i was like he's got a bed yeah. upstairs with relatively clean sheets but instead oh, there we go. i went blank because you've rushed me in but anyway john what are you giving it what are you giving it i think heart of hearts it's probably a six but for me personally and my actual enjoyment and the fact I've watched it twice. Mm. Oh. And I, by the way, I thought it looked incredible watching it. I'm not going to know that. I thought it yeah. looked incredible. I wanna, uh, the physical release will look amazing. Yeah. Well, it's bloody hope Netflix release one. But anyway. Um, yeah. So for me, it was a seven. Okay. And I'm aware, by the way, it probably should be a six. And I'm, I've probably, to be honest, gone stubborn on the seven because people have been so crap on the other side about it. Yeah, so all you're doing is bringing the one stars up slightly. Um, I guess we better anyway, talk about this. Can we talk about something positive? Because I feel like we've done an hour and 20 minutes, and at least an hour of it has been us having like pent up frustration over a film that neither of us are actually as bothered about as it looks like. Listen, how about Cinema Trip of the Year, eh, John? How about Cinema Trip of the Year? We're going to talk about Godzilla Minus One from 2023, directed and written by Takeshi Yamazaki. <sighs>
My best cinema experience since Top Gun Maverick. Oh, both of which both were with Jamie. Yeah. 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 He's getting a divorce. <laughs> we we don't have time to go to the cinema <laughs> together anymore. Like it's it's yeah. not a thing. It's just you and I sneaking out on a Monday. That sounds weird. Anyway, um sneaking look. out on a Monday night, yeah. He takes his ring off <laughs> and I put the ring on. <laughs> oh that's a that is a filthy, disgusting joke. Sorry, everyone. Wow, that, that went south. <laughs> Lick Godzilla minus one Whoa. on a budget of what? Pepper. 15 mil? 15 million? 15 million. How much was upgrade on? Four. Okay, well, still okay. fair play to upgrade on that one. Um, but I would I would just like to say the director, when the director, Takeshi Yamazaki, was spoken to about the budget, and we're like, yeah, like budget of 15 million, Like, how did you do it? He was apparently responded with 15 million? I wish I had 15 million. Really? Yeah. So um, anyway, synopsis. Feeling as if he's unfairly treated. Death to... Sorry. Go treated? Yep. I meant cheated. Feeling as if he's unfairly cheated death too many times. Shikishima. Shikishima. That's fun to say. Um, that's like elf. Um, a surviving kamikaze pilot is attacked on Odo Island, along with many warplane engineers by a gargantuan monster. After the engineers die due to shikishima failing to distract the monster an overwhelming amount of guilt weighs on him especially after a homeless woman and a baby move into his home when he returns shikishima now on a personal mission teams up with a large group of veterans to finally take down the monster known as godzilla one of the best scores in like uh, oh. and, and also i didn't realize and this is because i'm a complete noob to godzilla i've seen godzilla 98 which everyone apparently hates and godzilla 2015 which people also dislike but hey, Godzilla sorry. 98, one of the best, one of the best cinema experience. Well, one of my first I can remember. Same, I was terrified. <laughs> I got an extra, extra large Pepsi Max. And as I mean, I was probably pretty small. Um, I drank most of it and I went to the toilet because I was bursting. Um, I've still got a baby bladder now, but I had had like probably about a litre of Pepsi Max. And um, I missed the bit when he grabs the taxi in his mouth and chews the taxi. No. So I missed the, probably the best bit of the film the as a kid scene. at that age. Yeah, I was nine. Good. Yeah, What's... Godzilla. Um, yeah, so I, I'm a newbie to it. I've never seen the original. I tried to find it out, but unless you're buying a physical copy of it, it's nigh on impossible to stream anywhere, by the way, which I found out. But anyway, yeah. um, I didn't realise that the film score was a modern interpretation of the score from the original. Did you not? Oh, and okay. I love that. When they're on the boat. Like, this film just has momentum and energy throughout. And weirdly, like, I went in expecting it to just be a creature feature, and it ended up being, like, a film about survivor's guilt and PTSD post-World War Two, and the political things that were going on in Japan, which then happens to have Godzilla in it, which for me is completely wild, just like, yeah. a, a, like a wild take on it. And it's all the better for it. And, and like, we're going to talk about writing and, and characters. Like, this has very clearly defined arcs where you've got a kamikaze pilot are we doing spoilers for this or not we're not doing spoilers for this oh, no, this is going to be no we can't because okay. i don't think um, a lot of people have seen it so no spoilers it's well he's a the setup he's for a the film is a kamikaze we, okay. pilot who has a kamikaze pilot is because a lot of people won't know so in world war ii they um the japanese had a, a, a squadron of fighters or i believe who would go and commit suicide by 
their their planes would be loaded with bombs and then they would hit yeah. targets and destroy them. And yeah. in the film, this is a pilot who hasn't fulfilled their mission. He lands at an airbase and at the airbase they say, we've taken a look at the plane, nothing seems to be wrong. And mm. around that time, it's all distracted and, and not worried about because they see a creature. And at this point, we see Godzilla for the first time, but Godzilla is very small. It's nothing like what... Little babyzilla. Not Godzilla. He's, I would say he's... even for a baby, it's still like bigger than T-Rex Jurassic Park. So it's still pretty big. And the setup for the film is not only has he got survivor's guilt because of the fact that he's not committed, like committed to his mission, uh, he's then told like he should help kill Godzilla, and yeah, he he stumbles at the start. He he basically is is tasked to do something and and he cannot fulfil the task he's been given. And then yeah. the, the film is his journey, and without spoiling it, about he kind of has a surrogate family, and it's about him coming to terms with who he is, what he did do, what he didn't do, and what his purpose is. And by the end of the film, he finds a new purpose. And what's really nice is he has a really nice, supportive group of friends who does. see him really... through. And like, it's just, it sounds really cheesy, but it's just like, it's so feel good at times. Like, almost as mad as this sounds like i was as in, i was 100 percent invested in the non-godzilla parts of the parts with godzilla in it i think that oh, is the biggest 100%. credit it's, to this film like it's not a godzilla film so for me well, it is, like but yeah no it's not no, it's, a, <laughs> it's a film about the human condition it's a film about redemption about overcoming grief about relationships it's it's absolutely wonderful it's my film of the year it is, it oh, is really? my film of the year, absolutely. Like there's, there's nothing else that made me feel the way that film made me feel this year. And, and sitting next to you, like I, I literally did. I'd, I had a little. Uh, I was, I was like, had a little tear towards the end. Um, and I did. I, I, the, I, I found it so fantastic in every single way it was executed. I was really invested in the characters. One of the criticisms of the film would be that some of the dialogue is very anime. Um, what I yes, would it say is, uh, I, it I, is, it is. It's very yeah. like, oh, like very like Japanese shouting anime, like kind of. And I would, and I would say that yes, it, it probably is. But I also think that I do think it was a conscious decision to make it like that because it's. Isn't sure it to it fit an, an, more in keeping with the original potentially? It's an anime. Well, I think it's an anime studio, one like an anime studio, um, that that kind of was was with it. Um, the one thing I was confused at is that why a Japanese film got. It got such a big release over here, but I think it was uh, from an, an American distributor. Didn't the previous so, Godzilla film also get quite an audience here, though? Which is the one where everyone's in boardrooms. Shin Godzilla. Yeah, people really yeah. liked that one, didn't they? Or I think mixed. the Western audience likes Godzilla in general. But I just this this film gave me. I, I was so excited watching it, and for me, that that is what that is what cinema is like. When 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 I think of it, this was like for me like a. 9 out of 10, 9.5 out of 10. I was so invested in every single character. And it was, it, again, it was just about camaraderie as well. And it was feel good, which I wasn't particularly well, expecting. Was it? Well, it, it was, but it's very, it's very, I would say it's got all of those. I, I would say it's very well it's got, rounded. It's got which some is nice what redemption arcs and that kind of thing mm. for, for like various characters. But just, yeah, it's what I liked is it did a really good job. And, and the original did this where it was, the whole conception of Godzilla is the fact of like after the um 
the nuclear bomb dropped on Nagasaki and Hiroshima, it was like Godzilla was created as almost like the fear of the atomic age. And it was like created as like a way of coping um, and a way of like processing what happened. So they've created this creature which basically embodies nuclear energy in some of its origins or whatever. Sometimes it's yeah. a prehistoric creature and displayed on film and like and shows how people react to that in Japan. And like, yeah, this film goes back to that messaging and says about it starts talking about. So people were worried initially. People in Japan initially were worried about this film on the basis of that the uh, director being quite pro-establishment before, being very pro-government right. and very, like, like they believe too complimentary about Japanese culture. While this film made a pointed effort, I believe, to kind of criticise the failings from World War Two. It said, you know, the majority of our army died because they were yeah. in famine, because they couldn't get the supplies over. There's yeah. a lot of people could only be told certain things. So people it died for, like, lack of information. It was criticising the kamikaze what a kamikaze is and as and, well isn't and it the ideology behind that and it, i think it goes yeah. all the way back to the samurai and it it was just a really interesting window into a world i know very little about i i do watch quite a lot of world war ii documentaries and like i know very small bits and pieces because let's be honest it, history is written yeah. by the victors and all you ever hear about is battle of britain and and pretty much the end of yeah. world war ii so actually seeing the destruction of the aftermath of world war ii this mm -hmm. was the first this is the first of a godzilla film that depicts that, that it was a is a, a period piece so seeing mm -hmm. seeing them like the the destruction of world war Two and people having nothing in the houses being their homes, nothing yeah and then and then godzilla come in and basically doing it again like i mean we know i mean that's not a spoiler that's just what happens that's, um I, yeah but the one thing we should talk about is yeah like the budget the budget is an interesting one um because I don't know how, how how have they done this. So, fifteen million. I believe that the director also was the visual effects uh, supervisor because he'd done that previously. So, normally on a Hollywood film, let's say a Marvel project, some people are going to get annoyed. On a Marvel project, you say this is the animatic of what I think it will be like, and then they've got enough money to kind of go, oh, we'll change this, we'll change that, and do lots and lots and lots of different versions, different revisions. Yeah, my understanding is on this is they said what we've shot is what we've got and we are going to storyboard the hell out of it and we're going to film only Good. what we need. There isn't the extra because there isn't the budget for the extra. And by the way, when you look at, I've just read a behind scenes book of um, an old uh, Star Trek motion picture and basically what they boarded was what they shot. They didn't have the time, yeah, of course you money did. or budget to do anything else. It is what it is. That's what we've got. Boom, that's what yeah. we're going to get. And I think this goes back to that. And by the way, I kind of think that's how it should be because I think so many problems mm. are made when you're trying to add these things. They always never quite come off or look. Well, fake I have a question then. Naff anyway. Go on. Um, Kim's dot cinema dot escape writes in friend of the show. Uh, discuss uh, effects quality in films in respect of their budgets. Um, so Godzilla effects versus Hollywood blast. Blockbuster. blockbuster effects yeah so i think we've just touched on it there which is basically there's more of a coherent idea of what they want to do so they've just followed through on this they've been very particular there's not actually loads of shots of godzilla there's there's a very good use of like when to show when not to when to do I think pov so, yeah. like yep. in jaws and so there's that element to it but then when you do show them making the most of the shots in terms of do you remember we talked about the first jurassic park and shooting for scale and the later jurassic yeah. park films went away from that so essentially you're seeing it from uh you can always see in relation to size so the first pacific rim does this really well 
you see it from a human camera angle down low looking up so you get a yeah. good sense of like how big these things are then in the sequel they scrapped that and you have it kind of makes everything feel weightless and and not mm. as real because you can't see it from your perspective you see it from this kind of 3d fake camera and your brain knows it's a fake camera because no camera could capture what it's capturing and what yeah. the jurassic park did really well was do it the other way and this is what this godzilla film does which is like a cameraman would be here and we're looking we're on a boat and we're seeing behind us and there's a godzilla we're looking here we're looking up and there it's walking that's yeah. a big thing that sells the effect and it's such a yeah. simple thing to do but it's ignored you... so often so a question for you then so let's say um we've got uh villeneuve with an unlimited budget maybe not villeneuve but a director with an unlimited budget so let's say just a, a marvel director or the next hollywood the next person that's directing fast 15 um compared with something like this or a lee 1l upgrade um what do you so do you think that directors with a limited budget are in more inventive with the way they do these things compared to like someone who's they just like, well, we've got the there's, money, there's, so let's just let's just go and make a cornfield. Yeah, there's, <laughs> you know, there's no decision. So like, go back to Aliens. Aliens wasn't big budget for the time. Like they used hmm. really old school effects from like the 30s and 40s and from like really bad. Uh, is it Roger Corman like horror movies? Yeah. They were like the B movies and stuff. Well, they were bad. They were great. Okay, but they were using those effects and doing it to the best of their abilities. James gonna crack one out now. Um, no, I'm not. I'm getting a Blu-ray. <laughs> I would never do that on the pod. Um, oh, here we go. Yeah, there we go. Come but on, my point being, they would take old school effects and just do them to the best of their ability and use them uh -huh. sparingly. And I yeah, feel like I'm... that's the difference now. And also, it's not always director's fault. With mm. Marvel, producers are really the people who run those things. The directors so like are re like... Reshooting, reshooting, yeah, they're redoing, a redoing. Hand, and sometimes yeah. they get someone in and say, do you know what? I don't like any of this fight. Rather than reshoot it, I'm just going to CGI the entire thing. Imagine the ending of Black Panther, shall we say. For all the things mm. that people love about Black Panther, the, the end fight is terrible. And it's the same as Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi was completely ruined. They could have been a great martial arts film, but they decided to have dragons. Um, but my, so point, the, my yeah. point being is that that went through constant revisions. And I don't think it would have been Ryan Coogler doing that. I think that's Marvel saying it needs to have more scale, mm. it needs to have more space, needs this, needs that. And they go in, tinker, tinker, yeah. tinker. Kevin Feige's there. And they've got the budget and they crunch it, crunch it, crunch it and go, go, go. And I think with a film like this, they just didn't have that option. It's as simple as that. They, yeah. just don't, they don't have well, the time, they don't have the budget. Instead of creating a new Raw, the crew simply played the original Godzilla Raw over speakers and recorded the recorded audio. It. Love it. And same as Lee Wanell's Upgrade, the greatest films ever made. Um, they, they, he like repurposed a Toyota like yeah Aventis and made it and look like, like a basically like a, a 1990s one and just like made it look like a, a futuristic car and, and i think blade runner they, did that there's a lot there's yeah. some cool craft that goes into like these smaller budget films um so yeah i think that's that's i think yeah we we definitely have answered that um so yeah yeah just say you know in aliens you've got like the really cool apc that they landed and they're in like the tank thing which lands on the planet that was from ba it's what used to pull planes at like five miles an hour and then they just oh, really? shredded okay. all the weight off it took it all out and then made a lightweight version which they could have people film on and yeah. again it's just an idea of repurposing existing things is a lot cheaper than yeah. actually you know they're very clever on this in godzilla with the way the way they show him because yeah you are right like they do show godzilla i wouldn't enough. say 
Yeah, sparingly enough. The, the the action scenes are absolutely. Also, it's thrilling. a horror. I don't think we've actually got this across. In the start, like the first, mm. it was properly scary. I mean, I, I got did, a little, I got, I got a bit scared. I yeah. did joke at the cinema, and I've become an old man. I said to Jamie, I said, "Oh, we went to see it in um, IMAX." Yeah, I was going to mention and, this, and I said, Jamie, it is actually a little bit too loud. Like it's actually distorting the the audio quality. <laughs> and yeah, Jamie you, yeah, was you were like. like, you were like it's a bit loud, isn't it? And I was like, because we didn't see. No, it wasn't IMAX. It was it, uh, yeah, Dolby, Dolby, Dolby which 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 it was about nine hundred pounds a ticket. <laughs> Literally, I tried found... to charge fifty quid to get in. Yeah, fifty pounds for two oh, tickets. I'm God. not even joking. Anyway, I'm not even going to shame. I'm not even going to shame them. Um, I tell you what, I will do though is Mockingbird Cinema in Birmingham. <sighs> Such an amazing cinema. You can go six pound ninety five. Anyway, we're not even endorsed by them, but do you know what? I'm here. We love it. And I, I saw Saltburn there, so it's even close to my heart after that. But anyway. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, in, look. It's a we, horror. We don't... It's it's a it's a horror. It's a, it's, a, it's a film about the human condition. It's absolutely wonderful. It's a very that, hard I'm, film not to spoil, by the way. So if we sound like we're not yeah, saying much about we're not much, gonna, it's very uh, difficult plot point to yeah. not talk about. No, so the... Um, yeah. It's... it's absolutely fantastic and that was such a such a, a pleasant surprise i knew i wasn't going to enjoy it i knew i was going to enjoy it but i didn't really a film hasn't made me feel like that <clears throat> whoa a film hasn't He's made me feel now. like that i know no i'm not no i've, I've had like do you know what? i've still got a little bit of something it's sad. yes um, <laughs> no, uh, there's a yeah films that made me feel like that in a long time like it it, it was just it, yeah fantastic it absolutely exceeded my expectations i went in very mm. clear that I was like, oh, Japanese gods in a film. Uh, you know, I imagine yeah. it will have some good set pieces, but whatever it was. Actually, the set pieces, by the way, are brilliant, but I wasn't really bothered yeah. about them. I was, hyped was I was I more bothered about the rest of it. Out. Yeah, yeah. We I were. was pleasant, wasn't I? I listened to that soundtrack for a good week and a half as well. Wow. Film Forager writes in and she says, did the Godzilla score give you chills? Yes. Capital letters. I, I, you know, without giving too many spoilers away, the actual... when they're pumping it out. No, no, not that bit. You know the da 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 da. When they're doing that and they're on like their maritime thing on a boat, I won't give any more away. But they're on a boat and they're having a good time, and that's playing. Some... I felt like I was at sea, like swashbuckling yeah. along with them. I thought it was great. There's some <laughs> so... of that. There's some like orchestral. There's some orchestral pieces. There's mm. some. There's some bits with choirs, but the the there's a specific da, da, thing. Da. Da. I'm very what? annoyed that it got sampled by an artist in the 90s, but there we go. Sad to get up. Right, I don't know that, but you really, do. really strong way to end the episode, John. No, 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 um, no, no. Remember, when we were in the cinema, yeah. I said to you, so, okay, the, the Godzilla theme has been sampled <laughs> multiple times, but it starts with... And it okay. got used for a '90s track, and then it was used years later by Jay Z or someone in like a so what like '90s track. Pretty green eyes. Um, Pretty green eyes. I'm no, joking, not I'm that. It's but it's like up. some some rap song. And I literally was like, "Oh my god, are they gonna completely just needle drop a random rap song in this thing?" I didn't know that was the so original Godzilla theme, was... and Did I was re- oh. no, so I was really disappointed in myself when I was like, "Oh, okay." But it's it's great. I loved it. There's nothing to not like. There really isn't. I hope it comes out on physical media, not just a dodgy. Oh, I'll be patched in it. Do you know what? I'm, I'm more. Link. I'm more passionate than ever about doubling down. 4K Blu-rays at the moment. We we spoke about this the other day. So just end that. We'll just quickly talk a little bit about. Can we just be clear on, we... on this? It's not just 4K Blu-rays. An average, not, no. an average right, Blu-ray. Let me let me set it oh, up. Sorry, okay, right now. Sorry, John. I was, well, anyway, I was speaking to John the other day because I was like, <laughs> I was like, I was looking like 
as you can see, like I, I do collect Blu-rays, 4Ks, whatever. Um, and for many, for many different reasons. Some because they, I've been, I was, I've been talking about this loads lately with people. Um, most we're going to talk about physical media for five minutes. So switch off if you want and listen to our <laughs> next episode. What, what's the next episode going to be, John? Who know. knows? Hey, who knows? <laughs> we might do our, I was going to say we might do our top films of the year. I would like to do that, but um, right. we know exactly what John's seen already. Anyway, so yeah, physical media. Yeah, Rebel Moon's top. Every, spoiler. <laughs> Rebel Moon's top. Yeah. <laughs> um, physical media. So, go for it. Yeah, I was talking to people over the weekend about physical media. Uh, well, during the Christmas break, um, kind of just saying that yeah, there's there's many reasons why I collect it. Like most of it's because of the behind the scenes stuff artwork artwork higher quality just in general and we'll talk about the quality in a sec john will cool um, books cool yeah we've got some cool books i've got loads of i just love collector's editions really and um really like stuff like so french connection uh the gene hackman um one directed by william friedkin disney have edited pieces of that film out so that film is digitally not available to stream without it being edited now. So they've edited pieces out. So unless you have the actual Blu-ray... The George Lucas effect. Well, yeah. Well, they've gone in the, in the middle of the the middle of the thing and just edited pieces out. Not to mention the quality. So we would, we would, me and John were talking about quality of Blu-rays the other day and I sent him a real good article because you've now got a 4K Blu-ray player as well, which is you're going to start beef up the grief. Mm. Yeah, so what... Yeah, in terms of the quality of a blue, Even just a Blu-ray over streaming... Well, look, streaming goes to the internet without being too boring. Like, it has to be able to it's work at low bit rates. So to get an HD stream, it needs to work at under, like, 15 megabits per second. But a Blu-ray is outputting, like, 35 megabits per second. So you're already getting... That's a standard yeah. Blu-ray already. And it's not just double the, the quality, but, like, because it also is to do with the it's sound. four times. But it's, four times it's the like, quality. Yeah, it's insane. And the 4K ones are even better than that with the HDR images. But, honestly, if you if you're... I'm an ring about whether to buy Blu-rays of things. Like you should as well, because I am concerned that it's just going to eventually die off if people don't do it. But then I'm hoping it'll do a vinyl, which is vinyl died off and then came back because people got back into it. So I hope it goes full circle. Um, no, so actually, well, so I, I will say this year has been this year has been one of the biggest years for. Uh, so yeah, so vinyl is a really good example. So this year, vinyl has been the biggest year since like 1992. Yep, for for vinyl sales. We're, we're currently in a golden age of physical media. So in terms of like the things that are being released, there's so many really good labels releasing films that just have been lost for a long time. Um, with they, they go all out like with these, with these special features, like they go and find directors, actors, all that kind of thing. Um, and so Oppenheimer, really interesting. So because of Nolan saying, yeah, you must buy this. You, you can't let the streaming services win. You must go buy Oppenheimer on 4K. That's the way it should be watched. That sold a hundred thousand units, right? And I know that doesn't sound a lot, but that but is loads. Yeah, that yeah. is absolutely loads of Blu-rays, and companies are making loads of profits. Did you know Universal with a high? So for last year's figures have just come out. Universal are the highest um, grossing. Uh, what are they called? Production company um, of last year. TV show. Higher, film show. higher than yeah. higher than Dis higher than Disney. So because they did um, Oppenheimer. They did, uh, what was the other massive one? Mario Brothers, Super Mario right, Brothers. which people will um, buy, were, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so... Um, just to say so as well, yeah. it's not just picture quality, it's actually the audio itself, because like... Audio, audio, audio The biggest difference I find when I... I to be fair, with, with the picture, 
it depends on viewing distances. So like if you're further away from your TV and you're watching a HD stream versus the Blu-ray, there is potential you probably won't tell the difference depends on screen sizes or the factors. The biggest thing you'll notice is the sound. The sound on, on streaming, because they lower the bit rate to make yeah. it smaller, it always doesn't sound very punchy. And as soon as you get an actual Blu-ray in... I mean, do you remember when we did the preview of um, for Phantom Menace and that stuff? Like, it's oh, so God, much... Sound, yeah. I, it's you know what, so I good. genuinely, like... John, <laughs> we, we've both got, like... We've both invested a little bit in... in our, we still think, I still think, you know, John's got, like, silly size speakers. Um, they're, they're massive. Like, compared to... I've, I've got, like, a bit of smaller profile because they're in, like, my living room where John's got, like, a... Um, a office. work room upstairs. Off, yeah, office, yeah. Um, cinema room. Um, so John's mm. got like some some big speakers and they sound, i tell you what, the, yeah, the um, Jewel of Fates. Jewel of Fates? Yeah, Jewel of Fates. Yeah. Oh my God. It um, just sounds unbelievable. Before we finish up and end not on the physical media tracks I ended up watching it on iPlayer, can I just say a quick bit about the new Doctor Who? <laughs> Go for it, mate. <laughs> I really enjoyed uh, shooting out his first episode with uh, Millie Gibson as Ruby Rose. Um, yeah. I wasn't sure where I was going to be with it because I enjoyed the David Tennant specials, actually. I felt like it felt... Well, I hate to say it, it was a bit nostalgia baity. It was a bit, remember, with David Tennant, and I was kind of going on the merry remember, road. Remember like, I remember when I was in year nine and thought this was great. Cool. Yeah. And yeah, I, I admit I was very much on that trail, but I really enjoyed it. And I thought the first episode was really good. I feel like it needed, uh, it needed, I feel like it's gone back to the simplicity of like when it was first rebooted, which is Ruby Rose's, uh, Ruby Rose is very similar to Rose, as in Millie Gibson's yeah. character is very similar to like Billy Piper's Rose. But I feel yeah. like that's on purpose. And I feel like there may be potentially some story reasons why I don't know that for a fact, okay. but I feel like it could be a thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, I felt like it, it's just got the fresh energy it needed really. Cause I feel like Jodie Whittaker was really harshly done by because like she had, one of the worst showrunners and and production yeah scripts was was like she was a good doctor. She was a doctor, right? She's a very good doctor. She just had terrible yeah. scripts. It was one of those where yeah. good actor, bad script, rather than um, so the times you have if you yeah it, you can only carry it so far if the overall things and she had some of the most controversial episodes, but she's been justified because some of the most controversial story points that people hated have been followed through and doubled down on and actually they're mm. playing like key parts in this new series yeah. and i'm really looking forward to it and it's now distributing america via disney so i do right. feel like it's had a bit more budget i feel like they've had a few more okay. bits and bobs sent their way but they also... own everything at one point aren't they well they can't legally can they but anyway um just wow. to say i was pleasantly surprised by it and yeah it was good well look at us doctor who well i don't know anything about it um yeah, good. Well, um, I missed it at the top again. John rushed me in earlier, so he's I didn't do anything. Me over big time. Listen, we've got t-shirts on sale, eighteen pounds, pre-shrunk cotton, responsibly sourced. Um, again, I just I feel just so comfy right now. Um, in my movies in a pod show t-shirt, nothing um, but my t-shirt on. Yeah, I've got no I've got no trousers on right now. I'm like I'm like Winnie the Pooh. I'm like Winnie the do Pooh. Do you remember right that now. song, just, by the way? Just. No, I don't. Oh. Anyway, you can go and find Movies in a Podshell t-shirts at moviesinapodshell.sumupstore.com. Mm -hmm. um, you can write into us at moviesinapodshell at gmail.com. Yes. You can find me, uh, us, Movies in a Podshell on Instagram. Uh, John, mm -hmm. where can they find you? At jcb.video. 
Mm, we do have a Twitter, but we don't really use it. It's just at in a pod shell. And I literally deleted now. my Twitter app off my phone the other day. So let's let's just <sighs> let's just call it quits, shall we? Well, it's an absolute go. cesspit recently, but that's a chat for another day. I mean, it has been for the last ten it's years. So okay. bad. I hate it. It's so negative. Anyway, uh, you can also find us on YouTube um, forward slash movies in a pod shell. Yeah, we're, we're getting a bit of traction on YouTube now. That's good, eh? It, yeah, and this video about yeah. notice yeah, that, that Riverside quality. Oh, look, Riverside. Look how good we look. Anyway, right, we better <laughs> we better go because we're going to have a new episode in a couple of weeks. But we've got no idea what we're doing because we're silly. Anyway, John, say goodbye, John. Bye. <laughs>